I have something that's very, very deep, and I'm going to try not to go too deep, first of all, for time's sake. Second of all, I don't want to overwhelm you with this, but this is absolutely, absolutely consuming me right now. Uh, So if you will go to Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 18... I'm going to minister or teach on this subject. Grace time and divine delay. And I promise you, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. And you can waste your time sitting there trying to understand what it is I'm headed to, but I don't mean that from an intellectual standpoint. You just... You can't guess it. I've never, ever, ever, ever spoken on this, and, I, and I've written it, but I haven't posted it yet. And so you have not had a chance to read about it. And so, whatever. So I'm reading Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to to corruptible man, and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Thank you for those of you that stood. You're welcome to be seated. I I learned many, 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 many years ago that uh, the adversary is a liar. He cannot tell the truth. Unless you know how to listen. He always tells the truth if you know how to listen. Whatever he's saying, reverse it. That's true. And not only that, since he wants to be like God, The things he wants to accomplish in people's lives are things that God, in the right context of perspective, wants to do in people's lives. For instance, I don't know about you, but I prayed for many, many, many years to be possessed. Oh, I don't want to be possessed by the devil. I want to be possessed by God. If the devil wants to be like God, 
in a positive sense, whatever it is that he wants to do negative in a person's life, God can and will do positive in a person's life if you're willing to get to that place. Now, of course, most of us don't want to be there. It's a hard thing to be, to be able to be honest enough about yourself with yourself about how religious you are. Really, how much of your concepts are religious? How much of the faith you have for salvation is based on your religion and your religious practices rather than your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him? That's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. There is no more deceptive and destructive pride in existence than religious pride. And show me somebody that's proud of their walk with God and proud of their knowledge of God and proud of how they live and I'll show you somebody that's deceived because God's not behind how they live and how they think and what they believe. Because there's no way to really know God and know yourself in God and take any pride in that. Huge difference between thankfulness and pride. Thankfulness gives credit to God for everything you are, everything you're not, everything you do, everything you're able to not do. But pride is taking credit for yourself in what you do and don't do, what you think and don't think, how you live and how you don't live. And it's easy to tell the proud because they're expert critics of everybody else. Show me somebody that's always got something to say about somebody else and I'll show you somebody really is bordering on not being saved. Because they're really sure that they've got it down so well, they're qualified to judge. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to help you. Because let me tell you something. <laughs> I've had the Lord do this to me a few times, but this has been the most extreme one. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't know this, did I just get turned down? Where's the guy with the sound thing? Just, I didn't? Sound like I did. If you think your flesh under the right circumstances is not capable of going to the absolute depth and pit of sin to the extreme, you are so deluded. You can't have the Holy Ghost long enough. You can't pray enough to take your flesh and make it so good that it's no longer capable of not just sinning, but going to the depth of depravity of sin. And because that's true of everybody's flesh, 
Nobody in their right spiritual mind is critical of somebody else. In fact, to be honest with you, it's been one of the, it's one of the greatest challenges of being in leadership. Because sometimes leaders have to get together and talk about situations, see what, what the situation is, try to understand what's going on, and try to pray about, decide what to do about it and help. And it's really, really, really difficult and a great challenge as a leader to make sure you stay on the right side, the biblical, godly side of that conversation, rather than the other. Because let me tell you something. <laughs> the book says, take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. You know, and, and, and I've only got so much brain power and so much spirit power. And I could either focus that on trying to be what God wants me to be and to live a life that's pleasing to him. Or I could focus that on picking apart somebody else and how they're doing and not doing. But I don't have enough capacity to do both of those. Not effectively. Maybe you're wondering really what the scriptures I read have to do with my message tonight or the, the Lord's message. It's really a pattern of going from a place of possibly being saved or having the opportunity to be saved of going to such a depth of depravity that God gives up on you. And I don't have the time tonight to go by step by step in the process. But it pretty much covers a step by step down the ladder into... Nobody goes from here to there like that. Nobody. 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 You may be able to cover your first several steps in that descent. And so that when it finally comes out and you're a long way from here to there, maybe not there yet, but here to there, uh, uh, people may be shocked, but God's not shocked. He's been watching you take those steps. I want to go to heaven. The Bible says if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, what does it profit? Paul said, I, 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 I would that I'd be a curse so my brethren Israel could be saved. Well, I'm not that spiritual. I'm not going to hell so you can go to heaven. Not happening. Sorry about that. If you're looking for that kind of preacher, <laughs> I ain't him. I'm not. I'm not going to hell so you can go to heaven. Paul said, the things you see in me, do those. So I'm trying to go to heaven. If you want to go, I'm trying to show you <clears throat> how to do that. But I'm not going to be cursed so you can go to heaven. But I will say this to you, that God will never stop teaching you how to stop relying on yourself. And let me tell you something. <laughs> Woo, Lord have mercy. You know, if you would have asked me eight months ago how knowledgeable I felt how, and how much understanding I felt I had 
in, in, in how to walk with God and, and, and do what's pleasing to Him, I would have hopefully, without being smug, said that I feel fairly confident. I got a pretty, pretty good idea about all that. <laughs> uh, what I thought was a <clears throat> advanced degree was a kindergarten diploma. That I read very wrong. And uh, just for time's sake, one of the key elements of the verses I read to you tonight is in verse uh, 21, I believe it is. Uh, I think that's it. The, in my notes, I don't have them broken down in scriptures. It's in a paragraph or individual verses in a paragraph. Because that when they knew God, They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Now, this word, imaginations, it's an amazing word. It's actually deliberations, inner deliberation. And that in and of itself is not good or bad. It's how we live. At the foundation of everything we think, do, say, every act we commit, every attitude we have, the basis of that is deliberation. Inner deliberation. The Old Testament says it this way. As a man thinketh, In his heart, so is he. So I am a direct product of the direction of my inner deliberations. And let me say this to you. God in his very great kindness and mercy doesn't send people to hell based on their inner deliberations. But when I do not want to retain God in my knowledge, as one verse, I believe it's verse 24 says, if I reach the place that I don't really want to retain God in my knowledge, my deliberations get off track. My inner deliberations, my inner thought processes, uh, Pastor Joel Wright preached a couple of Sunday mornings ago. He was talking about speaking in tongues and a study done by University of Pennsylvania studying the brain and the effects of prayer, meditation on that. And then they also did a study on, on speaking in tongues. And he talked about the effect that he related to the, the uh, uh, church that day, uh, some of the basics of the effect that, they, that these medical scientists, non-Christians, uh, came up with as to the effect of, 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 of meditation on the mind, that your, your, your mind becomes aligned and gets all straightened in, in accordance with what you're meditating on. What? Twelve minutes a day, they determined, of meditation on whatever you're meditating on will bring your mind into alignment with whatever you choose to meditate on. Now, we don't like to meditate today. We've got to have something going all the time. 
We gotta have our, our, I gotta have our earbuds in and we gotta be listening to music. We gotta be reading something. We gotta be watching something. We gotta be, we gotta be doing something. We don't like to think and we don't like to listen and we don't do any of that. And we wonder why we're in such chaos. We just don't want to do that. We don't like silence anymore. We don't, we don't like quiet. We don't like inactivity for any length of time. So I've got to be doing something. I've got to play video games all day. I've got to be, I've got to be on Facebook. I've got to find out who just got up and who's fixed to go to bed and, and, and who ate, who ate their egg scramble this morning and who had them over easy. I, I got to know that. I, my life is going to be a mess if I don't know how my friends ate their eggs this morning or maybe they're really healthy and they only ate those yolkless eggs. Whatever you call that. But I gotta know that, and so I've gotta sit there and wait for somebody to tell me what they're doing, because I don't have a life, and I gotta find out how somebody else is living. Oh, praise God. And you know why we do that? We don't want to think. And we don't realize that all of this stuff is designed to get you not to think. Because if you spent some time meditating on God and His Word, it would bring your mind into alignment with Him. And it would change how your life goes, how your day goes each day. But we struggle. We struggle with faith. We struggle with prayer. We struggle with confusion. Because we don't want any quiet We don't want to have to think. Well, here's the problem. My thoughts, my meditations, my inner thoughts, my meditations, my deliberations eventually produce a decision. A decision produces an action. And it's the act that is sin or not sin. It's the act that's righteous or unrighteous. It's the act that's pleasing to God or not pleasing to God. That's why the Bible says, To him that knoweth to do good, doeth it not to him it is sin. So you say, well, well, I'm not doing anything. No, no, no. You are making a decision. You are making a choice to do nothing. That's an act. So there's such thing, such thing as forgetting to pray. It is a deliberate choice not to pray. That's an act. It's not a such thing as forgetting to read your Bible. It's a deliberate choice not to read your Bible. And I'll tell you something. After spending seven months with uh, my wife in such a situation that uh, many, many services, we were not able to come to church. You hear me. A dead... Boring church service is better than any, than the best evening at home. You may not like that. That's too bad. If you believe otherwise, you're deceived. A church service where nothing happens in it and the preaching doesn't hardly make two cents worth of sense to you is better than the best and most entertaining evening at home. Why? Because at least if the entertainment, if the evening at home was boring, it wouldn't fill you up with the wrong stuff. 
You say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong when I'm home. No, 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 you're, but you're doing something. And I'll tell you another thing. I am so very thankful that we have spent the time and the money and all the energy to do the streaming we do. But if you think a steady diet of watching streamed services, and I'm speaking to every Antioch member who's at home right now by choice, if you think that is a reasonable substitute, I got experience with it for seven months. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a great evangelistic tool. It's good in a pinch when people are homesick. I'm glad we're able to do this. But as an excuse to stay home because you just don't feel like it. There's no, there's no dress code here. You don't have to wear your best clothes to come to church. We never said that. You don't have to get all, all dressed up. As long as you clothe. What you wear, you know, hey. It's no problem. That's not a problem. But if you think you can stay home and be a part of the body of Christ, when you don't have any other choice, praise God, I'm glad we're able to get some degree of the service to your home. I'm happy about that. And to our friends and brothers and sisters around the world, people that are not here, that want to be a part of what we're doing, at least to check in occasionally and see what's going on. I'm thrilled we're able to do that for them. But as a substitute for being here, a part of this, don't you understand something? What you think is a bad church service is supposed to be a call to prayer for you. Do you think all of the responsibility... For a move of God in church is on the person that's in the pulpit? Then that's the only person in the building with the Holy Ghost, if that's what you believe. Everybody else doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Because people with the Holy Ghost share equally in the responsibility to have a move of God. So if you're sitting there and that, boy, there ain't nothing happening tonight. You're right, there ain't nothing happening. You're just sitting there. Not doing your part. Oh, hallelujah. So, we want to go to heaven. I, I want to go to heaven. You want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, have to live a life that's pleasing to God. Praise God. So the Word of God tells me all this stuff I'm supposed to do, so... I'm trying so hard to do that, right? Wrong. That's religion. Not being critical of any man of God that was ever my pastor. But I was raised in this 68 years. And the standard answer for the first 30 or more years of my life in counsel from any man of God was, if you're struggling, you need to. Pray more and try harder. And if the, you wanted a different answer, then it was try harder and pray more. But either way, you, you're not try, if you're struggling, you're not trying hard enough or you're not praying enough. 
you need to go pray through. Well, what is that? You go do it and you'll know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I'm not trying to be critical. People were doing what they knew to do and were simply given the same answers they were given. Let me tell you something. Those answers don't work. Because first of all, they breed religionists. How can I try harder when Jesus said, without me you can do nothing? So, here's the process. Whether I want to do right and or try to avoid doing wrong. Here's the process. What I think, what I'm thinking, will, these inner deliberations will eventually come to a decision. A decision is a choice. Once that choice is made, then I will act. But here is grace time. This deliberation, it can go on for moments, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years before you make a decision about doing or not doing something. During the time that you're in deliberation, God will not prevent all kind of voices adding their input to your thoughts. Just as He also will give input to your thoughts. So on one side, there is the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and my conscience that's, that's trying to give input into my deliberations over what should be done and what shouldn't be done. But on the other side, giving input into my deliberations is my flesh, the opinions of people that matter to me, usually, most of the time, are negative, to my soul, whether you believe it or not. Third is the input of this world system. What society and our culture thinks is right and wrong. And you're bombarded with it every day. And then finally the adversary. So here I am in my deliberations. And the Spirit of God and the Word of God and my conscience is trying to give reasonable voice to all of this, to give direction. While at the same time, the adversary is uh, is my flesh with its ally of people's opinion and the crowd and the majority, what they have to say. And, and then what this world system is trying to get you to believe and do and think. And then finally, what the adversary is trying to do. And he rarely ever makes his voice clear enough to distinguish it from the first three of those. So most of the time, you don't know that his voice sometimes sounds like your flesh. His voice sometimes sounds like your best friend. And sometimes his voice sounds like this world. He doesn't want to clearly represent himself if he, unless he has no other option. And so here you are in your deliberations. You haven't sinned yet. You haven't done righteous or unrighteousness yet. You haven't. You're in deliberations. The scripture says they became vain in their imaginations. So imaginations or deliberations isn't, isn't in and of itself good or bad. It's the way you're built. 
You were created to have those inner deliberations. But these people ended up in the condition they were in in Romans chapter 1 because they became vain. And that word vain there in, in the Greek is not our word for pride. Empty, worthless, useless, unproductive, not good. In other words, they entertained things that eventually turned the direction the normal direction of their, there was no neutrality anymore. The normal direction of their deliberations became wicked. That's what the Lord said about the, the world before the flood. The imaginations of their heart was only evil continuously. Now, Spending time in the Word, and I don't mean just dutifully reading the Word. And spending time in fellowship with God. Call it prayer, call it whatever you want to, but spending, but having a, a fellowship with God. Whether it's physically on your knees or going throughout the day. Your, your fellowship with God. Those things can turn you from, instead of your mind becoming vain in its deliberations, it, you can become, you can become positive in your deliberations. That doesn't mean you won't have the negative, just like the people with the vain imaginations won't continue for some period of time to have the positive input. But most people are neither all, one way or the other. Most people are in the middle. And we think we're victims enough we can't help ourselves. You will never pray and read your Bible enough to close the door on all negative influences in your thoughts. God gives the adversary and your flesh the ability to influence that because it's the way for you always to be tested. Test yourself for him to test you to see where your heart is. So you will never get spiritual enough that there will never be any input from your flesh or never be any input from your friends in a negative way and never be any input from family or from the world or from the devil. You know, one thing I can't, I just can't imagine. I can't understand Christians that read the Bible and claim that they're supposed to go up in the mountains and find some cave and build them a bunker and store all kind of food because of the coming wrath. Let me tell you something right now. I'd like to see that in the book. Because I want to know how we're going to be a part of reaching this world holed up in a bunker someplace. You're kidding me, right? Oh, well, I might get killed. Really? You mean you might be privileged to be a martyr for the gospel's sake someday? In case you figured it, I'm not apologizing for that. Do I want to see you die or me die or any of my family die or any, 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 any brother or sister in the Lord die? No. I read someplace that the apostles never volunteered for martyrdom, but they didn't purposely attempt to avoid it at no cost. People who live died out to themselves aren't afraid of dying. 
I read something the other day where a guy said that his birth certificate came with an expiration date. He meant it as a joke, but it's true. It's true. From before the day you were born, it was appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. You have an appointment with death. I tweeted something the other day that I read. It was really awesome, but it wasn't original with me. I forget the guy's name that was there. But a man of God or a child of God in this case, in the will of God, is immortal until what they're called to do for God is completed. A child of God, in the will of God, is immortal until the work of God that he's called you to do is completed. So... If I am called of God, and am I, I'm in the will of God, I don't have to fear dying. I don't fear flying. You can take this however you want to take it, it's okay. And I realize it's being recorded and broadcast and archived and all that stuff, so be it. There has never been a point in time in this entire process that I believed there was any chance she was going to die. I don't believe it today. It's not, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. How can you say that? Because God's not done with me yet. And I can't do what I'm called to do without her doing what she does with me and for me. Oh, well, he could give you another wife. No, thanks. No, thanks. It's taken 46 years for this one to train me. I don't want another one to have to start on that. Are you kidding me? Do you know how much of a distraction that would be to what God's trying to do for my ministry? To have to allow another one to try to train me? And what if I don't like the way the other one's going to train me? We're going to have problems. Well, you can just do work for God single. No, you don't know me. I can't do that. She allows me to be me. No, you, you, you're missing the point. She, it's, she, she's made peace with my extreme focus years ago. That I can get so tuned into something that even the most important things don't matter to me when I'm focused. There's not 1% of you ladies out there that would put up with that. You say you would? I promise you I could prove you wrong in a week. You know how much grace God gives her to be able to do that for me? We're a team. I'm not even talking about all the stuff God's got to do that he's still got to do through her life, what he's going to do through her ministry and all that. I'm just talking about... Him accomplishing whatever it is that he's still planning to do through me, and I'm a long way from finished, folks. Well, you're not really a part of I'm a part of Antioch. What are you talking about? <clears throat> I signed the checks. Does that make me a part of Antioch? There's not a dollar spent here without my ultimate permission. Does that make me a part of Antioch? Baron von Rothschild said 150 years ago, 
you let me write the checks and I don't care who makes the laws. Amen. I'm not going anywhere. But the bottom line is this. Okay. Bottom line is. <laughs> you heard Brother Nichols. You heard Brother Fuller. If you were listening, they told you what's coming for me. If you were listening. So here we are. We all, we all have this, we're created to have this deliberation process. We're not animals who act on instinct. We're all, we're all Humans are created in the image of God. There's a deliberation process. There, there, there's a, there's, even, even if it's all subconscious, it's a deliberation process. That's grace time. Before you ever make a choice, before you ever make a decision, God can influence you to his heart content as you will allow him to. Because he's not violating your will. When you make a decision, you cut off grace time. Good decision, bad decision, you cut off great grace time. That's why, for those precious ones that are sitting here single, and I'm going to use this old-fashioned terminology, you don't start praying after you get naked in the back seat for God to deliver you from committing sin. You've made a decision, and he's not answering that prayer. He's not answering that prayer. It's over with. You've made a decision, and he can't violate by his own will. He can't violate your will. And a decision is a choice. And that's the exercise of the human will. And God won't violate that. Because if he violates it, then he would become responsible for allowing anybody to sin. So everybody that's lost would be God's responsibility. Because he didn't prevent their choice. But oh, if you think God's finished, he's not finished. Before you make a decision, it's grace time. But between the decision and the action is what I felt the Spirit tell me is called the divine delay. Because it is physically impossible. To decide and to do simultaneously. And so whether that delay is a moment, a minute, an hour, a day, a week. During that time, the only one that can influence you is God. And that's the divine delay in which he, his loving spirit says to you, do you really want to do this? And there's not a person sitting here that hasn't experienced that, whether you were 
consciously aware of it or not. Every last one of us has experienced the blessing of divine delay. That even if it's a moment's hesitation, there's always enough time for an infinite, awesome God to say one more time to those he loves, is this really what you want to do? Is this really what you want to do? Do you know how hard it is to be lost? Do you know how hard it is to be lost? First of all, you've got to start out by ignoring all that the Word of God and the Spirit of God and your conscience is saying to you during your deliberations. You have to ignore all of that. You have to ignore all of that. And the adversary, <laughs> woo, the adversary has equal access to the discussion. Either through your flesh, through the voice of humans that their, uh, that their opinion matters to you, through the pressures of society and culture, and then, which we call the world, the cosmos, this world system, or the voice of the adversary, whether he does it with, by revealing himself or not revealing himself. He has equal access in the liberations. But during the divine delay, the only one that can speak to you is God. And you have to tell him no the second time to commit the act sin. That's awesome. But here's, here's the negative. The negative is when you and I do wrong, we can't blame that on anybody but ourselves. God is always just and innocent in what we do because he gives all this input while we're deliberating. And then he comes back and he speaks to us out of love and pleads with us as a father that cares about his children. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. You... You just don't have any idea how bad the consequences are going to be. Don't do that. Don't do that. I know you, th you think that's really exciting or interesting or wonderful or it would be a lot of pleasure or a lot of whatever. But don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know what? I have experienced all over again. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the sin is. Whether it's considered normal to people or whether it's considered horrible and despicable. It doesn't matter what the thing is. It doesn't matter. I am so in awe of the incomprehensible nature of God's love and willingness to forgive when we don't deserve it in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah. 
So after he tries to talk to me and give me direction, and I don't, and I choose not to accept it. And then, then during divine delay, he pleads with me not to go through with what I decided. After all of that, and I still do the act. <laughs> when, when, when he did everything he could to keep me from not doing it, to talk me out of it, to tell me how much he would help me if I would let him. He still is willing to unconditionally forgive. Well, I don't deserve it. Well, of course you don't deserve it. He doesn't forgive you because you deserve it. He doesn't forgive you because of who, what you do. He forgives you because of who you are. You're his child. Is any child here, I don't care if you're 70 or 7, any child here that's thought their parents have always done things the way they should have done it? If you say you, they have, you're lying. Any parents here that can say, I love my children, but boy, there's been some times they've disappointed me. If you, if you say that your child's never disappointed you, you're lying. Or they're not old enough yet. Let me tell you something. You don't have to teach a child to lie. It's born in them. I said, you don't have to teach a child to lie. It's born in them. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. It's born in them. And it doesn't matter whether they're three or... 13 or 23 or 103. If your child lives long enough, they're going to disappoint you really bad. But you don't stop loving them. You don't stop having all your hope built in that somehow, some way, someday, they're going to come through this. The only parents that don't love their child are the ones that makes excuses for the way they are. And convince your, and you convince yourself they're alright when everything you know about God and His Word says they're not. Because you can't bear the thought that your child's not right with God. So you change the Word of God so you don't have to face facts. You, you, you're not doing that for the child, you're doing that for yourself so you don't have to pray. Because if you really honestly believe your child was in danger of being lost and you got any kind of faith in God, what would you do? You'd pray. And you wouldn't pray now lay me down to sleep. This is Father's Day. And I pray that you can receive this in the manner in which it's said and with the spirit which it's said. But is there any man alive that's got any more right to be proud of their sons than me? I sit back and listen to them minister in awe. 
And if you've been around here very long, you know good and well, they're not regurgitating stuff I've said. They got their own walk with God. They got their own giftings. They got their own anointing. And they get their own word from God. And I wouldn't have it any other way. But bottom line, the fact my two sons are saved today, 90 plus percent of that credit goes right there. Because while I'm snoozing and snoring, only God knows how many nights she's laid awake all night calling on His mercy and grace for their salvation. Oh, oh, hallelujah. I prayed for them. You know I prayed for them, but my nature is not to pray. It's to beat them upside the head with a stick, so to speak. It's like that old story of the guy that had the mule in the ditch, and he was... He was trying to drag that, get that mule to come out of the ditch. He had a, had, had a, uh, is that called a halter? Halter with reins on it. And he's trying to drag that mule out of the ditch. And the ditch is, uh, the, that mule's not moving out of the ditch. Guy walked by and said, what are you doing? He said, what do you think I'm doing? I'm trying to get this mule out of this ditch. He said, all you got to do is speak to him. Guy said, you're crazy. For an hour I've been trying to get this mule to get out of the ditch. If you're so smart, show me. The guy looked around, found himself an old big old log, walked up, hit that mule upside the head, and said, come out of that ditch. He got out of the ditch. <laughs> he said, I thought all you had to do was speak to him. He said, yeah, but you had to get his attention first. <laughs> and I have to admit, I have to admit, I have used that methodology with my boys on occasion. Probably, according to them, more than one occasion. Sometimes my wife has had to pray the effects of the stick off of them. If you love your kids, have enough faith in God to pray them through with what they're, pray them through what they're going through. Don't give up. Don't go, oh well. Are you kidding me? Oh well? You go, oh, well, the next thing you know, you're going to be going, well, you know, really, what they're doing is not that bad. I mean, they could be out robbing banks. They may be. You don't know. So what do you do? You don't get in their face. You go before God's face. And you stay there till it changes. Are you trying to talk God into something? No. You and the Holy Ghost are battling the forces of hell for their souls. Romans chapter uh, 1, please. I mean, 8, chapter 8, verse 1. I'm going to read quickly here. Ooh, I didn't know it was so early. I'm really not kidding. Uh, <laughs> can't wait for them to make that screen in the back 16 by 9 so the letters can be bigger. Because once they went to the 16 by 9 screen up here, they got smaller back there. Okay. Let's see if I can interpret this from memory. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. A lot of Christians put a period right there. Well, I'm in Christ Jesus. I have no condemnation. No, 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 that's qualified. 
You want to live a life with no condemnation? Here's the qualification. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What does that mean, Brother Wright? Let's let the Bible tell us. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Three. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of God might be fulfilled in us, qualified statement, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Here we have, I've read four verses, and within four verses, Paul repeats himself on one thing. The importance of walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Well, Paul, what do you mean? Let's let him tell us. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. And without getting into all the technical side of the Greek here, just let me paraphrase that just for the point here. And if you were one that has to have all of it nailed down, then come put your hand up here because we're going to nail it. All right? But not for everybody. Not this moment at least. The word mind there means to to hear and receive thoughts, instructions, directions. Now, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So does that mean some of us are hearing what the Spirit says and others of us are hearing what the flesh says? No! No! Ten thousand times no! Everybody's hearing what the Spirit and the flesh says. We just give different priorities to it. Those who make a habit of minding the flesh ignore what the Spirit says and let what the flesh says cause me to make my choices, my decisions. But those who give priority to what the Spirit's saying ignore by the grace and help of God the things the flesh is saying and do, they do what the Spirit is saying. But you can't get spiritual enough. I remember when I was a young man, I honestly thought to myself and said to God one day, I was so frustrated, I can't wait till I get older and I can be more spiritual and I won't have all this stuff to deal with. Well, I must be pretty young because I haven't got that old yet. I guess, uh, I don't know if that's even true, if you're laying up in a hospital bed on a ventilator... But let's see, your mind's still alive. It's still working. So you don't get any rest from this war there. There's still a war going on. You still have choices to make. The action, the result of your deliberation, may be a decision to praise God. It may be a decision to give thanks. It may be a decision to complain. It may be a decision to confuse or accuse. It's still a decision. And the praising or giving thanks, the accusing, all of that, those are all decisions. Those are acts. Those are acts. And there are, there are consequences to acts. There are consequences. 
There's consequences to praising and giving thanks to God. There are consequences of accusing God. Complaining to God. Look at Israel in the, in the Old Testament. They were murmurers and complainers and God sent a plague on them. All they did wrong was murmur and complain. They didn't, they didn't go out and, they didn't go out and worship other gods. They just murmured and complained to the one they had. I don't like how you're running my life. I don't like the decisions you've made as your will for me. I don't like that. Why can't it be like this? Why does it have to be like this? Why, 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 why? That's complaining. God got this full of it and said, okay, that's enough. I've given you all this opportunity. I've done all these miracles. I mean, these folks are getting up every morning and eating miracles for food. Every day, 40 years. Can you imagine? That's one of the most miraculous things you could possibly imagine. That God himself provides miraculous food laying on, that wasn't there when you went to bed. But when you get up, it's laying on the ground. And all you've got to do is go out and collect it and get it and prepare it to eat. That's all you've got to do. But you, that's such a miracle. I've never experienced anything like that. And yet, even as miraculous as it was, they got bored with it and began to complain about it. Romans 8, 5 again, please. Hang on, I'm not going to be too much longer. You'll be out of here before midnight, I promise. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Next verse. For to be carnally minded, that means you're minding the flesh, is, that's the end, that's the consequence. If I listen to my flesh and its allies and make decisions based on that, and then I do actions based on those choices, those decisions. And then I don't acknowledge they're wrong and won't repent of them. The result is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Is there confusion in your home? Really? Is there chaos in your home with your kids? Sometimes? Have you never gotten the whole family together? I don't care how old they are. And just prayed for a little bit and spoken against that spirit of confusion and that disruption. And spoken peace into your house. If you haven't done that, don't complain. Well, I, I did it didn't work. Then you didn't do it long enough. It works. You don't think the adversary can use little children, innocent little children, to disrupt your life? And discourage you? If he could take the Apostle Peter, who was given the keys to the kingdom, and influence him to speak negatively, to the point that the same God that just said through the Son, that blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hadn't shown these things to you, God, not the Father has, and so here's the keys to the kingdom, and three verses later he says, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't understand the things that be of God. If the adversary is able to do that with the apostle Peter, don't you think he's able to come into your house and, and torment your children? 
If you allow that, don't complain to God about it. Well, I, I don't have time to pray. You, I, let me tell you what. The amount of time you'd put into prayer with those children sitting there would save you so much time the rest of the day with the chaos that usually goes on. Well, brother, I don't know if that'll work. <laughs> well, your way's not working now, is it? I mean, you sit up here and watch people come in with uh, with small children and they're... <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. They're that spaced out look like they can't hardly move. Like, how long can this service please go on? Because I'll have to go home with them when it's over. Let me tell you something. If those of you that have had children are now older are going to complain about other parents sitting here with small children, you got a short memory. And if your kids were that obedient when you, they were small in your house, good thing social services didn't find out about it. I I have admitted to my sons it was a lot easier on my wife and I to raise our boys than it is for them to raise their families I mean you're you're scared to death out in public to even speak strongly to your child forget laying a hand on them just speaking to them wrong somebody's going to call the man next thing you know you're going to be answering to somebody because if you talk to them like that you surely must be beating on them God have mercy. I, I can't imagine being the parents of, of small children today. I can't. When to obey the Word of God in a scriptural manner with a right attitude is not accepted anywhere. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Next verse. So then they that are in the flesh, now, verse 6, please. Verse 6, thank you. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Thank you. Verse 7 now. Because the carnal mind is, 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 uh, what? Enmity. When I listen to my flesh, remember the carnal mind, the word carnal there comes from the Greek root word carne, which is flesh. From which we get the word carnival which is a festival of flesh. Woo! Praise God. Yeah. Like, like chili con carne. That's chili with meat in it. Really? Chili con carne is chili with meat in it. Which I like. Okay? Just say it. But that's the word carnal. Because the carnal mind is, is what? Not obeying the devil makes you and puts you in a hostile relationship with God. Not obeying the devil. It's not obeying the devil that puts you in a hostile relationship with God. It's putting the desires of your flesh, your flesh above God. 
I've said this, but it's been a long time since I've preached a whole lot over the last several years. But you need to hear this. Okay? Your flesh, as it is currently constituted, is not, cannot, never will go to heaven. For your flesh, your body to go to heaven, its nature will have to change. The carnal, sinful nature will not go to heaven. Therefore, we will be changed. In a moment, a twinkling of an eye, at the last supper, our bodies will be changed. We're resurrected. Not these old bodies resurrected, but we'll be resurrected to walk in newness of life. We, we will be resurrected with a glorified body. That means your flesh has nothing to lose. My flesh has nothing to lose. It's not going to heaven anyway. I'm talking about my fleshly nature. My carnal nature. The nature of my flesh that wants to be, wants comfort and ease and pleasure and, and all that. My sweet granddaughter today made me thank God she only made me six cupcake brownies. Only six. Thank God she only made six. They were free of points because they were a Father's Day present. There was no points in those cupcakes. And that's good. Because in the two hours between then hour and a half between then and when I went to get ready for church, they were gone. <laughs> Sister Jane Bishop the other day, she, she made a nice meal as a part of helping to provide us with food. And I saw her tonight. I said, Sister Bishop, I thought you loved me. After all these years, I thought you appreciated me. How could you send a box of 40 handmade chocolate eclairs to my house? How could you do that to me? I'm going to tell you a miracle, folks. I want, to hear, I want you to hear a miracle right now. I only ate ten of them. You have no idea how much of a miracle that was. I ate four of them before I ate any of the other food she sent. Sent some home with the youngest son. <laughs> sent the rest home with my eldest son. That's the only way I could keep from gaining weight off of them. And pray those ten eclairs went through real fast. Fast enough that they didn't have a chance to stick around and become waste. <laughs> my flesh. I'm talking about waste. For those of you, your mind someplace else. Waste. W-A-I-S-T. Waste. And if you were in the spirit, you would have known that was the, the word I was using. But you carnal folks, you thought I was talking about something else.
I'm telling you right now, you talk about, oh my, my, I, I got to go on a special diet starting tomorrow just to make up for all my blessings. I wish I was joking. Flesh is never going to stop wanting its way. Do you know that one dove piece is a point? And if you suck on it rather than chew it, you can make it last about seven to ten minutes rather than five seconds. Because if you chew it, you chew it, you swallow it, it's gone and you, the taste is only a memory. But if you just put it in your mouth and let it slowly dissolve, you get max benefits for that one point. Flesh! Flesh! Let me have that scripture back, please. Flesh! And you know what's so awesome about that? There's some of you haven't listened to a thing I've said all night. But you're going to go look for an eclair after the service is over with. You know what that tells you? That tells you what part of it you're listening to the message. The dove piece is coming in a blue bag. It says dove in a blue bag. That's milk chocolate pieces, see? And there will be somebody here at least that goes by Safeway and buys one of those. Don't go to 7-Eleven, it's too expensive there. Safeway. And if you have a long drive, if you eat those slow enough, you can be home by the time you go through half the bag. If you eat them slow enough, just let them dissolve. Just let them dissolve. Maximize, see? But that's flesh. Because the carnal mind is hostility. That's what the Greek word there is. The mind... That gives flesh and its desires preeminence is living in a hostile environment against God. For it is not, here it is, it is not subject, it is not in submission to, it's not in obedience to the law of God. Neither indeed does it have the ability to be a mind that focuses on the desires of the flesh has no ability to please God. It has no ability. That's what the Greek word there, can, means in the Greek, literally. The word can. It's the, it's the verb form of the noun dunamis. It's having the supernatural ability to do what you can't do. But when I am living in a life that gives credence and priority to what my flesh is telling me, I'm not only living in a hostile environment to God, but I can't be subject to the law of God because I lose my ability to be. Next verse. Oh, this is a bad one. So then they that are in the flesh, not in the spirit, but in the flesh, cannot please God. Doesn't mean they don't want to. Doesn't mean they don't try to. They don't have the ability to do it. It's not possible. Do you now see why the deliberations are so important? Because during the deliberations, which input you give the greater priority to is going to determine how you act.
as a man thinketh, deliberates in his heart, so is he. Because after a while, one of these sources of, of input is going to gain the upper hand in my thinking. And then I'm going to make a choice, a decision of the will. I'm going to make a choice. And that choice is going to produce an act. But God in his love and mercy will take that space, that divine delay between the decision and the act and say one more time. And it's not too late if I listen. He's going to take that divine delay and say, do you really want to do that? Do you really want to do that? You don't really want those consequences. You don't want to really. You, you don't want that really. I'm going to skip some here. Go to, I'm going to finish up with Galatians chapter 5, if I could please. Beginning with verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you, excuse me, not might not. doesn't say might not. It says shall not. Fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is what it does not say. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not have any lust of the flesh. doesn't say that. doesn't say that at all. It does not say walk in the Spirit and you won't have any lust of the flesh. It says walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Several years ago, Brother Shelton and I were talking about a conversation he had with Brother T.W. Barnes. And I'm not going to go into who that was if you don't know. I just right now was a mighty man of God who was a prophet of God who died a few years ago in his 90s. I had the privilege of listening, spending some time with him myself. And Brother Shelton said that, Brother uh, Barnes said to him one day, he said, I used to fast a lot. But I've come to, to, con- to the conclusion as I've gotten older that while fasting has its place, it's much more important that I deny my flesh of something every day. That there needs to be some area of my life, and it may not be the same thing every day, where I say no to my flesh and not let it have its way. And I don't mean eating three hamburgers instead of four. I don't mean eating a half gallon ice cream instead of a gallon. The Bible says no man's ever yet hated his own flesh. So obviously, I'm not supposed to hate myself. I want to be saved. I want this body to be saved. I just don't want its sinful nature to cause the body and my soul to be lost. So the bottom line comes down to this again, okay? If you think you are powerless to change, if you think you're powerless to live a life of victory, then you don't know the length to which God 
goes to. You're, you're not recognizing the length that God goes to to help you not do sin. Before you make the decision or choice, during your, your subconscious and conscious deliberations, with all that input coming there, the voice of God, the Spirit of God, your conscience is kind of trying to guide you and direct you in the right way. If you make the right decision during the divine delay, now listen very carefully to me. You can go wrong making the right decision. Here's how. You go through the divine deliberation. God speaks to you. You listen to God and you decide to do right. But bef- but not allowing the divine delay to do its job, you try to perform what you decided through flesh. If flesh can't get you to do wrong, it wants you to rely on its ability to try to do right. Did that make any sense? Did it go over your head or whatever? The purpose of the divine delay is twofold. If I make the wrong decision, God in His mercy, in the divine delay, because of His love, will try one more time to get me not to do the act. The act is the sin. There's no such thing as future sin. There's no such thing as present sin. It's not sin till it's an accomplished fact. God doesn't judge me based on what I intend to do. He doesn't bless me on what I intend to do. So if I made the wrong decision, the wrong choice, God will not violate that. But He alone, during the divine delay, whether it's only a moment, a minute, an hour, however long it is, He, in His love and mercy, will try to get you not to do the act Rethink what you've done and change your decision. So that if I do the wrong, I have to go against him twice to do it. But here's the other, here's the treacherous part. If I listen to God, his word and spirit, my conscience, and decide to do right, but I don't allow the divine delay in the positive sense to have its proper work, I end up wrong. Because I try to use the strength of flesh to do that which is pleasing to God. And flesh cannot please God. In the divine delay, that's the moment. Whether it takes me half a second to do it. Or an hour long prayer meeting or whatever. I surrender everything to God. I commit it all to Him. I acknowledge to him that without him I could do nothing. And I receive grace, peace, strength, empowerment to do what's right through him. That's the purpose of the divine delay after you've made a right decision. Again, I know I'm repeating myself. I'm trying to quit, but the Lord's trying to help us here. 
The divine delay is important regardless of whether your decision was bad or good. Because if you don't let the divine delay, what God does during the divine delay in your life between the time you make the decision and the time you act on it, if you don't let that do its proper work where you're hearing what God's saying, then you're blowing it again. But if you let Him work, you don't ever, it's not a strain. It's not hard. It's not hard to do what's right. Because when I, in that delay, as I surrender up myself, my will to Him, my strength to Him, He will empower me to do what's right. And how do I know that I allowed that to happen? Because after I've done what's right, I give Him all the glory and thanks and honor for it. I don't take any of the credit. I don't take any of the credit. Hallelujah. This is a big subject and all I've done is scratch the surface. But we're going to pray here for a moment if we could, please. In Jesus' name, Lord, I command that the seed that's been planted in these hearts and minds and spirits tonight would find a deep lodging place that the birds of the air, the fowls of the air, would not be able to come and steal this word out of these hearts before it produces fruit pleasing to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. 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 I loose the showers of the Spirit of God to water this seed in Jesus' name. I loose the bright warming light of, of the face of God to shine light upon the ground. These hearts where this seed is buried to create the right temperature to cause this seed to germinate and grow up that fruit might be produced to the glory of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, just another moment. I, I, I know it's a little bit after eight, but the Holy Ghost is working here right now. If you really, really need to go, just slip out as quietly as you can. But the whole, there's some folks here tonight that's received a revelation. In Jesus' name, you say, that's really simple, brother, right? That proves it's a revelation to you. Because when, when the truth, the deep truths of God seem so simple after you've heard them and received them, that's revelation to you. God has spoken to you. God has spoken that to you for your benefit, your blessing, for your salvation's sake. If you're still sitting there going, huh? Then you didn't receive the spirit of revelation. But there's some of you went, wow. Well, that's so simple. That's so easy to understand. That's not my good teaching. That's not my intellect explaining it so well. That's the divine light of the revelation of God that shined in your heart. That's making this simple so you can understand and walk in it. Receive it right now in Jesus' name. Receive this revelation in Jesus' name. It's not hard to be saved. It's not work to be saved. I just have to be submitted to God. I just have to be sensitive to Him. I just have to choose to listen to Him. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. No condemnation. If you've got condemnation, your prayer's not working. First John 3 says that. If, you're, if your heart's condemning you, your prayer's not working. So the Lord wants you to understand this and, and to empower you to walk in this. So you won't have any condemnation. So your prayers will work. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 In the name of 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Those of you that will, I want you to raise your hands. And in your own words, I want you to say this. Father, I receive this word from you. Come on. Father, I receive this word from you. Father, I thank you for this word. Father, I receive your grace to to enable me to walk in this word. Father, I want to please you. Let the Word and the Spirit, the blood, your love work in my life to please you. Not only in my thoughts, but in my decisions. And not only in my decisions, but in my actions. And in my spirit of hum- in, in humility, in praise and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Him thanks now. Give Him thanks. Give Him thanks for what you received. Not just with your hands. Not just with your hands, but with the depth of your heart. From the depth of your heart, thank you, Jesus, for speaking to me. 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 In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your long-suffering. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Father. Take these lives, take my life and be glorified. Be glorified in and through us, Father. Be glorified that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Lord, let the words of our mouth, our actions, and the meditations of our heart, our deliberations be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name. Let us walk in the Spirit. Let us mind the Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for coming. There's service tomorrow night. The pastor will be back for that service. God bless you. In Jesus' name.